Before we start, I want to warn you about uh, possible spoilers. We will talk about the movie and its plot openly, so if you are sensitive about these kind of things, you probably want to check out the movie first. Although I think we are not going to reveal any more major plot twists than, say, a DVD cover will give away, so I think you will enjoy the movie for, for first viewing also after our talk. That being said, enjoy! Welcome to Like Mother, Like Son, Like Movies. I'm Aaron and I'm here with my mother Lisa. Hello. Hello, and uh, this time we are going to talk about Lynn Ramsey's uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin from 2011, which is kind of like a, a drama, thriller, some even call it a horror movie, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, and uh, I, I kind of suggested this to to talk with my mother about it because I I, I started to hear about Lynn Ramsey as a director and about her movies. Like, uh, in fact, she, I think on 2018 now is, she's going to have a new movie coming out called uh, "You Were Never Really There" or something like this with Joaquin Phoenix. No, just a minute. It's, uh, you were never really here. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I read the book and it got into my mind. Ah, yeah, yeah, okay. So, so there's a... It already it, came out. It was in Cannes last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, it's not... 2017. Exactly, yeah, but it's 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 not really to the theaters here, like uh, like pop, like in the open release yet. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they usually yeah. come very early on Cannes, Cannes and stuff like that. Um, so, but everybody was talking about that movie a lot, and that it's really like effective movie and stuff like this. And um, there was like a couple of movies from her that I I was thinking about, and I finally got to see this. We need to talk about Kevin, which was like an example of her work and stuff like this. And there was a lot of thoughts about it, but in, in short, like I I I think for me, Lynn Ramsey became like uh, one of my favorite directors in, in a way like her her style and her way of like how she makes films and stuff like i was really impressed and stuff like this so i wanted to like open up uh this discussion with 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 you and um i was really struck about the first of all it's like non-linear storytelling it flashes back and forth between time like after and before the main event that is going to take place in the film yeah, yeah. and that really changes completely this mother's life you know this uh, uh, Tilda Swinton's character's uh, life but what what I really like started to like get really into was the how uh, Lynn Ramsey uses uh, details to tell the story and and you know and also in a symbolical way 
you know it instead of like sometimes more or less telling straight into like literally narrating what is the the the, the, the happening or the situation on the scene she she kind of concentrates more on just kind of showing certain details and then when you when you watch them and you like look at the film from beginning to end and to kind of you know you go back and forth the event from before and after you can start kind of picking up certain details about the in the scenes you know and how they relate to 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 certain time uh, moments in the in the in the lives you know for example like 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 these are just like s- small details that i uh, remember because it's a little while ago that i saw the film so then in the beginning we see it they all, it opens with this festival in uh, i don't know where she is uh, there's this like a festival uh, where it's like a tomato fight people are throwing tomato oh, and tomatoes in spain, in spain. In spain this uh, is it spain yeah, i think it's a yearly tomato in that's in that town like tomato a fight yeah tomato fight so she's she's covered in red tomato mm. sauce you know and it's it's kind of an euphoric scene mm. i i feel it's kind of a it's is it's like the scene is filled with this red color you know yeah and it struck me like immediately in the movie so effectively that then kind of immediately after that uh see we we jump really far ahead in the in the timeline where she's alone in her house and she's like living totally kind of uh, in a rotting way in a way and she wakes up in the in the morning and she goes in front of her house and it's covered in red paint ah i remember that too yeah and in, in a way it's like it's 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 mirrors like in the beginning the red symbolizing an euphoric moment or state but then now it's in a shameful state yeah. this red color and then and it's also a color of the blood you know like yeah. her house is covered in blood in a way and then throughout the film see see on this like after the event we 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 witness her or observe her character how she's coping with the event afterwards you know after what happened and see everybody hates her and stuff and that's why they kind of label her by throwing the red paint on her house and she starts cleaning the the front of the yeah, house yeah. Yeah. small small and then throughout the whole film we see the progress of how she's trying to clean symbolically the blood from her you know life how she's trying to clean her and then she's She's all the time like you know having this flashback you know into that life and it's really this horrible trauma that she has to live with you know so that it's I I just thought and this is all throughout the film even even with the red paint she goes to a job interview and she's sitting on the waiting room and she she suddenly realizes like waiting to be interviewed and she realizes that she has a little bit of bl- uh, red paint in her hair stuck mm. and she's trying to nail it you know out of her hair and it really looks like blood so mm. it's like this little and she's going to an interview so she wants to be presented as 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 best as she can but she cannot because like she suddenly realizes that, that, that the history creeps in yeah sure. you know like she cannot get rid of her history you know stuff like mm. this so it's like it's just a 
all throughout the film there's this amazing uh, control for Ramsey as a director to use details as part of the storytelling which is very similar to to Correeda's way of filmmaking I, wow. I see it is very much connected to this how, how Correda uses details in everyday life situation as uh, part of a wider narrative element you know? mm. so that, that's, that's what I really I struck with me and stuff so I thought it was technically a brilliant film it's amazingly well told. Uh, who, who made the screenplay? Was it Lynn Ramsey herself? Yes, she worked on it herself. I remember that uh, in Cannes the last year, now it's already 2018, but 2017, last spring, she got the prize for the, you know, Palm Door for the screenplay of that film. Ah, uh, really? Wow. You were never really here. Wow. And see, see, it works like, see, it's like, there was like the, when the, when we need to talk about Kevin came out 2011, so it was like um, six years or something that she got into another film, you know, directing and stuff. So she, ah, she didn't do uh, be, no. between, uh huh. No, and also before we need to talk about Kevin, it was like maybe. Uh, in the 90s or something that she did the previous mm. film. I mean, I'm not really totally sure, but uh, I noticed that there's big uh, uh, like uh, gaps between her films and this. She doesn't make so much many films, but she, that means that she does other a lot of other stuff. So the fact that she writes and she has, apart from writing, it shows that she has other talents, you know. She, she does other than just direct films and stuff like ah, this. So it's, I agree, she's a very interesting she also she also does cinematography like in in her earlier films she she totally like focused also in her cinematography uh, camera work and stuff but like lately she 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 doesn't do that much but she writes so so that was all like totally the technical point of the film she was yeah she was noticed in Cannes very well now and that's good yeah they not and also well she had this Joaquin Phoenix which is just marvelous yeah. in that yeah and didn't Joaquin Phoenix get also like an award or something yeah she, he was the best actor wow in Cannes yeah, yeah so a lot of stuff with that movie so, yeah. can you imagine that I got really interested in that film because Joaquin Phoenix I watch every film uh -huh. he, he's a he makes good work uh -huh. yeah. last time about him it was in inherent vice yeah uh yeah yeah he has done many things but we talked about him in inherent vice but i read i got so interested that i i read the book you know uh -huh, yeah. this uh, made up from a book from it was written before yeah. and she made the screenplay from that book and now i want to know i want to see the film and how is joaquin phoenix acting this man yeah. and how is how she directs it. It's just something amazing, amazing, very special story, very violent and very special. You know, I had to say this because because of this, I agree even to talk about Kevin, you know. <laughs> but you, otherwise, you, you you would never want to even talk. You, you were very surprised. Like, why do we even waste our time talking about this movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I looked for it in my book. I write down all the films I watch. And uh, I found this Kevin here. 
and it was in 2015 I watched it. Mm-hmm. That's three years ago, and can you guess how many stars I gave it? <laughs> <laughs> I see it here. I was curious to see how many, many I gave after yeah. you said to start to talk about it. How many did you give? <laughs> One. <laughs> I do it. And I'm so happy I see because now even now I would give only one. <laughs> so really, how did you end up seeing the film ever? You know what, what was the yeah, because I like criminal stories and you know I I watch if it's done well, like somebody like David Fincher or somebody, it's amazing things you can see. Yeah. But so I like criminal stories, and even I took the book and I, in English, I think, no, in from the library, and I read the book. Really, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, I read the book <laughs> I the because I didn't want to give up. I don't give up easily. <laughs> but no, both were just bullshit. <laughs> uh, okay, but so so what was the bullshit about it? Ah, well, now we can go into the. Yeah, I got angry with the woman. Yeah, it so is, yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, <laughs> I see that she is one of the producers in this film. Yeah, yeah, she was. Pro- she was- yeah, she. It was very. Yeah. It was done in very much because of again Tilda Swinton like doing a lot of work for it. Like mm-hmm. she, she has this character that like yeah. also with Simi Arbuski. She, she doesn't give up. She she works a lot like as a producer. She said that she only acted. She doesn't like acting so much, but she she acted because she felt like okay, maybe she can contribute that way to the movie and stuff like this. But so she wasn't first that interested in it, but then she like felt okay, I will do it and stuff like this. Okay. Yeah, she's this kind so of a person. I I want to send a message to Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Please don't act. Please don't. <laughs> Just produce. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, yeah, uh, it did, irritates me really. <laughs> did Did you like her in uh, the Only Lovers Left Alive? I yes. don't remember. That's I want to mention because I don't want to be unfair. Really, I think it's because of Jim Jarmusch that he's like a charmer. He, everyone who acts in his films are good are well and nice and fitting in like clock, uh-huh. like clockwork, you know. She was marvelous in Only Lovers, she was just right. Yeah, okay. And there was another one of where she was in Jim Jarmusch film. Ah. She was in The Limits of Control. Ah, was she? Ah, okay. That wonderful film, wonderful film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jim Jarmusch never makes a mistake, really. So uh, she was in that and uh, she was okay there. Yeah. yeah. I think another film that we talked about with Tilda Swinton in it was The, the Snowpiercer, you remember? Yeah. Of course, I remember. I I I, I, I I hate her in this. I I cannot stand. I hate. Her. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now you understand why she should keep away from him. <laughs> Only to to somebody like Jim Jarmusch she can go. Yeah. Uh, now, if he is this, please, to make mark. <laughs> so, <laughs> and also, there is another film I saw her. Now, when we start to uh, say, I I can say this, in the Italian film. The swimming pool. It was a the a bigger splash. 
called. It was about like a remake of uh, the film Swimming Pool. Yeah, yeah. Because plus you haven't seen it maybe, but very irritating she is. <laughs> she's, she's in the whole film the main part, main person. Like, oh uh, my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, Luca Guadagn Guadagnino is the director. And I hope for him better films. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. And also she was in Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, was she? Oh, yeah. I don't remember her. There were so yeah, many other brilliant uh, actors good. that uh, characters that I don't remember her contribution. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, isn't it good that we don't remember her? Because she, there she was like subdued, like uh, something, a side character, which is okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, but yeah, but, a... but 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 uh, but about in Kevin, it feels like it's not really a bad movie because of her acting. Because you also said that the book was bad, so, yeah, so there's more. About... Or yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I want to say something about this uh, Darren Aronofsky's film Mother. Ah, really? Uh, what? Yeah, because there it's it's uh, this film is is about mother and like a mother earth and so on and going. Uh, it's a very clumsy film for me. Yeah, and we talked about it already in a podcast, and uh, and uh, it's something it comes up everywhere in discussions with people. No, it's a film which is a strange film that is not so good, I think, but it comes out in discussions very much. People, some people love it and give five stars, and some can't stand it and zero. Oh, okay. And I'm one of those who can't really stand it. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So anyway, it's a Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. The problem with her in that film and so on. But now when I start to think about Tilda Swinton, yeah, came to my mind this mother because there's also this mother there, you know, who is all in, in home passing mother, yeah, mother, earth, uh, mother and so on, and mm -hmm. everybody's nasty to her and so on. So <laughs> here we have another one in Kevin. There's a mother. Uh -huh who is supposed to be a mother. And I compare it, it's very easy for me to explain what I feel about Kevin with comparing it to Aronofsky's mother. Huh. Because there, also in Kevin, I feel like we are, what, what she's representing there, this Tilda Swinton. It's like she's the mother who is supposed to be 100% or 110% and being in the beginning, she is a happy woman with a good, nice profession she likes and everything. She's mm -hmm. a writer from uh, travels, travel writer. Yeah, she travels a lot. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't like, uh, care about being a mother mm -hmm. and didn't want to be a mother. So then she thinks very stupidly that <laughs> she should be a mother because every woman should be a mother or something. No, no. <laughs> if she's a common woman, she's. Keep out of it. <laughs> uh. If she's not, she's not, and she's allowed not to be a mother. Yeah. And it's wrong from so it's like like that film wants to say that all society wants all the women to go into one package, like being a mother. You think that's no. What, you think that's what the Kevin film is about? Yeah. Ah, I thought it was about the son and about the role of the mother. 
in parenting and yeah, stuff, but not about also, society saying that women have to be mothers. It's in the uh, beginning, you know, when she fights with herself to be a mother or not, and she agrees to be a mother, and so no, that's it. That's where she should have said, no, I want to be myself, and no, and that's it. Then afterwards, when it happens with this boy, okay, there's another subject there that they, you, uh, what do you call it, this, um, uh, he's kind of insane, no, um, psychopath, that's the word. He's a psychopath with no feelings, and he's be, call, they call these kind of people evil, evil, no, um, he's not the type who is, uh, has feelings, so... Okay, in the critics, you read all, all about this. Kevin, you read about that. Okay, is the mother is guilty about this? Did mother make him evil? Isn't it idiotic question even? So, did mother make make him evil, or is it that he she has to be you know forever like she she goes to clean that paint paint from yeah the blood ever because she's the mother. Very idiotic things. The father is a normal person. It just quits and goes. So that, can you see that it, the society? I just said it. That society <laughs> puts it on her. Yeah, yeah, but that, that that was about the being a mother. But now it's about feeling yeah, guilty about all being together. a mother. It's all together. That or, or, she don't want yeah, to yeah. be a mother in any okay. case ever, ever, ever. So okay, don't do it. <laughs> so anyway, well, yeah. the problem, oh, okay. of course, with the psychopath, I'm not a specialist on psychopaths and I don't know about the mental illnesses and things, but I have, I'm have i interested in the, this subject. So I read a book by um, Paul Oster's wife, Siri Hustved, this uh, mm -hmm. woman who writes a very interesting books. I read every book of hers, always. So she wrote a book about um love love what was it called uh, anyway it was about exactly <laughs> this thing that there's a boy there's a boy who is a psychopath and he's mm. becomes a psychopath two years old or so and after that and it was after a divorce the parents divorced and somehow it was suggested he lost emotions so she she works on this subject. She studied psychology and she made a degree. This Siri Hustved degree on. Uh -huh. Anyway, yeah. trying to explain about what is this psychopathy. Is is the book called What I Love? Yeah, What I Loved. Very good. Book. Okay. Really Novel. good. Book. Uh, yeah. As okay. Yeah. Very, so what? Yeah, do you want I think that's the same it? thing. Like you have a boy who is psychopath who can you can do nothing about it after it's comes up clear but he tackles this the subject of this book is the psychopathy of the boy what is yeah 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 you know what i was also starting to think about like if you if you go into this psychopath stuff that like um, we both have been now uh, watching the Mind Mind Hunter yeah. series mm. uh, that was, I think, like four episodes directed by David Fincher. So yes, involved. Well, yeah. Just let me say, <laughs> I yeah. exact that it. I think it had ten, ten parts or so, and two mm. first ones were David Fincher, and two last ones were David Fincher, and the between ones 
Well, not clearly notice. You could see it. Yeah? <laughs> but, but very good also. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. Marvelous. But, uh, Marvelous. but he, 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 he makes like the framework, you know, the beginning and the ending, and he sets kind of the a lot of groundwork for other yeah. directors. So it's like close enough, you know. It's like I don't know if it would have been so good without his his input into the style and yeah yeah of course not. but so so it's it's it it works you know it's it's still he very is good a, he's a, a genius he, <laughs> yeah. he's a, so his concentration he concentration on this kind of subject you remember he made seven yeah. and all this yeah yeah yeah, yeah like like the girl with the dragon tattoo and stuff he, he really oh, likes yeah. to yeah yeah, especially Gone Girl and stuff. He, he likes to tackle these things. And he's, he's also a filmmaker. And when you go out. in it. Yeah, and, and when you... He has a, also kind of a thematic oeuvre that, you know, he... he When you go and see his films you, or his output and stuff, you, you can kind of really see what you can get out of it, you know, like if it's a David Fincher stuff. And in Mindhunter, in relation to Kevin and Siri uh, Hustved and stuff like this, the, the psychopaths, is that uh, the idea with the series is that it's about, was it like in the 70s, 60s? And it's about the time when the FBI started to make these interviews with uh, serial killers yeah. all across America. Uh, and it starts, was it with uh, Ed Kemper? who if you go to youtube you can actually find the actual video footage of that interview which is kind of interesting and it's about the whole idea is that the fbi is, and it's 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 actually based on a actual like book that is about the investigation and stuff like this which really happened apparently and they they start to interview these these psychopaths to to in order to understand the psychology behind it better to to in order to kind of then apply it in the FBI investigations and stuff like this. And it's really funny and it's very entertaining and it's also very interesting in a historical case as you know, true crime stuff if, if, if somebody... And, and it's and, extremely uh, suspense, suspicious. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like personally, I, I think the best, like, where it really shines are the interview bits, you know, where we really get into that. But and then more like later on in the series, like I said, if we now talk about the series, is that I kind of start to get bored about the relationships and stuff like this, like the girlfriends and the family lives and stuff like this. Like okay, uh, I, yeah, I get into the next interview, you know. I, I'm more interested in the psychopath. But it went like quite this. well into the interviews. Yeah, yeah, they, there was you enough were, of that, so, like, so it was good. Hair got up, you were so... Yeah, it's, yeah, especially in the end, it's like, it's really, really cool. And, um, well... Did you um, see all of the, all of it? Yeah, yeah, I, I was Wasn't it marvelous, so. the end, 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 the complete... Yeah. The, that's Fincher, at his most genius. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, and... Um, uh, why why it relates to Kevin and stuff like this that it's really funny because they one of the motives and one of the things that they start to kind of understand more they talk with these people is that they start to have this theory that psychopaths are not necessarily born into psychopaths unlike most people are believed it to be like they are just evil 
you know, they're just evil people, they are screwed up, they are born that way, that's it, that's all that we want to know about that. But the reason why these FBI agents start to see a more psychological pattern and they can start understanding it better and can apply it in investigation is because they start to realize that there has been a lot of stuff happening in the past with these people that has contributed into their, how they have formed their mental worldview. Exactly. In some ways. And, and, that, and especially in relation to women, you know, their victims and stuff like this. But that Which, that is uh, what uh, Siri Hustved found out and that's why she wrote the book. Yeah. So what I wanted to say is that the funny thing about this in relation with Kevin is that uh, <laughs> it's actually like kind of a comically one-sided uh, thematic uh, 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 pattern <laughs> in the mind hunter that it's always the mother <laughs> that is the cause of the of the psychopath <laughs> no, and at some point I no, but she kind of, was more fair she, <laughs> it was both both like a, a, yeah but that <laughs> and that's good. That's 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 the interesting thing when you go into that, you know, and you kind of get wired up. But Mindhunter is funny because it actually, it it uh, manically, like in a in a manical ways, it 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 op- is obsessed with the mother figure and especially the females and stuff like this. And that that is always seems to be the case and stuff. And and there's a lot about the women. And that that's a little bit uh, manipulative of the series to say it uh, one sided and stuff. But that that I find, that is the what I I think people also f- see in the Kevin you know that it's like the mother you know there's something about the mother that that's why this Darren Aronofsky's film Mother is in a kind of in a clumsy way it's done and so on but but the idea of it it's it points out that I think exactly like as if the mother is a source of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, clumsy. To, That's why you. Yeah, yeah it's a clumsy. And yeah. So. Yeah. And Fincher is not clumsy, so. And I, yeah, although like in the mind, I I would like to that like it would be much more fair if Mindhunter would also uh, open it up more like Siri Hustvet, you know, like that. It's you know really what what because because when I also have read True Crime, you know, like history of you know psychopaths or something you know it's it, there's a lot of not just family but also society society how they yeah you know, and that's why now we come stuff like this we come back to kelly k not kelly okay you know that i mixed <laughs> up lynn, lynn with kelly reinhardt and this is very <laughs> because kevin you know kelly yeah. no kelly reinhardt is another female director who is making indie films with uh, for instance, certain women is from her, which I saw. It's simple, small movies with the relations and wonderful, uh-huh. things, really wonderful. Not at all like Lynn Rams. It's something else subject. So, like certain women or something. Yeah, what certain, was the name? certain women. I think it was. I have seen. What else do? Uh, yeah, I saw other also. No, I don't remember because I got into this uh-huh. by accident. Okay. But. Anyway, I I, I always mix up with these two women. They have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> it's a sound somehow, Kelly Ryan. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah. she's American anyway. Very good. So uh, what this Lynn Ramsey when we got into her now, so yeah. So this uh, you were never really here. It's it comes to uh. this violent group of violent films. And I'm not uh-huh. going to talk about it because we can make a podcast or do something later when we... Yeah, yeah, and I, I haven't seen and any I, stuff I know. Yeah. read the book, and the book is marvelous, very good. It looks like a, a kiosk book, you know, kind of uh, what you call kiosk book in English. Like a pulp fiction? Uh, like a, yes. Oh, Tarantino. Pulp, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what Tarantino wanted to make with pulp fiction. It's, yeah. it's a pulp fiction. So yeah, pulp fiction. We are forever to reference... Tarantino's work because of this. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we, uh, so I read this little book. It's under hundred pages, even or something, and it has marvelous cover. I just love it. I love that kind of cover. Big, <laughs> no? uh, yeah. is it like a oh, artwork or something? Really good. It, it describes the inside exactly, and it's pulp fiction. Kind but brilliant book. I think it's brilliant book. How did she find this, this Lynn Ramsey? But I'm thankful for her. You have to show me the book cover, like because I don't know if I can find it. Is it like a Finnish or English? It is not even translated into Finnish. I don't think it's translated. It's it uh. um and who was the right? Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, it's American man. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, uh, with A it starts there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but you have to show me the book cover, like because yeah, I, it's I the American yeah. thing. So anyway, it's like a yeah. pulp fiction, and it's when you start to read it, you're amazed. You can't stop. It's the start and you end. You can't mm. put it down. So yeah. I'm expecting from the film to be the same. You know? Okay, well, especially yeah, it's yeah. there in that man part. This comes into now what we are talking about uh, extreme violence and criminalities and things and FBI and things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this involves this. We have to see this film. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So you were never really here. Yeah. And what it means, all this, where you were never really here and so on. So I would love to, I'm burning to talk about it, and I cannot because we can't go into it. <laughs> and, and Yeah, we yeah, have to see it yeah, first. And the psychopaths, <laughs> you know, all this. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah okay. It's strange because, uh, you know, I'm a mother and I'm a very gentle person and so on, <laughs> and so on and everything. And then all this violence and... and you know this mind hunter and David Fincher. I love it. But you, you, but I you have always loved. Yes. You have always liked this violent crime yeah. movie and all stuff. I know so that it's not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not like. Then they know, are just... good. But let's <laughs> talk about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin. Is not good. It's. it's <laughs> yeah. So so he did like. Yeah, like when I when I saw the film, I was it was kind of funny in a way because it was like in in some parts i was really impressed by the technical filmmaking of it i was really like nailed into the editing and the narration of the story because i was really like seeing all these details and how they affect the 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 the, the observation of the characters and the, the things and stuff like this and 
it was really just a well-put movie, but then also, like, at the same time, I started to, like, and after the movie, let's say, like, when the, when the movie, when the end credits roll, let's say, I was really kind of, like, baffled that, well, yeah, huh, it was a, that's really good story, you know, like, I, I was starting to think, like, this story, it's not really... What did it actually say about this, you know, this situation, this this question, you know, like how how man doing stupid things? That's what it. <laughs> yeah, and, and that okay. So it's the question about that. Okay, is that is the woman uh, partly guilty or like uh, connected to to how? Because it's a lot about also in a way like observing the woman and sympathizing with her that. Because we see her collapse like after the event that she's totally crushed by society and stuff like that. her life is ruined by this her son and stuff like this and then it's kind of painful to also observe her life with the son and how she's behaving as a mother and stuff without actually like feeling to be a mother and that they have it like from the very beginning when the son is born they have this distance this this that they are not connected, you know. That so why didn't she think yeah. then? Why are the brains <laughs> where? Yeah, yeah. Well, what to do about it? Maybe I, I, I can say if you, if, if you want to say that, then I, I can also say that if the fair thing is to, is to also argue that many families are formed not because of totally like 100% rational reasoning you know it's it's also like kind of you know there's a lot of like accidents and you know like you know, I mean you know like uh, you didn't that it's a surprise that there's a child you know or you know it's it's more like yeah it's then you have to plan down and think about it, what to do yeah but I, what I'm saying is that uh, well many families are formed that way but not all are psychopaths and stuff like so in a way also see I don't know if she would have understood really or like been able to know what was going to happen you know because in some ways it's like okay now we are going into the discussion okay. about the mother and stuff but th that's the thing you know I don't know if the film gives enough to actually talk about that and stuff and like no but so. no, i'm not it's very extreme this film is very extreme like yeah she sits, i remember when she was sitting in the floor on the floor with the little child with this boy was a little boy and they were putting the ball mm -hmm. to each other and the ball the boy won't catch it and just nothing because yeah. then you know then the woman starts to think and don't go on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I can't even put my... I don't want to see this film again, you know. I was supposed yeah. to see this film to talk about it now. I don't <laughs> remember all the details. I, you can't put me into this position in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if we... we so yeah. I want to say that when you say that it's so brilliant when it starts with the tomato fight in the beginning and then later she's... <laughs> the paint outside the house is red and she's painstakingly taking it off, 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 off. So I remember those and I was thinking that how stupid filmmaking this is. And you said, oh, it's not brilliant. <laughs> okay. Oh, it was yeah, like, like, like you saw it as an obvious thing. Oh, okay, well. Like, red as symbolism. Yeah. You think some people look at Tarkovsky or Kubrick this way, like, bleh, 
Ooh, symbolism. They can't I, okay, be I get ingenious. it. <laughs> yeah, you know that lately I, I, I took my task to see this uh, eyes white shot again, and I watched it twice, twice one after the other, and I read the book. You know Arthur Schnitzler's uh, dream story. It's called mm -hmm. where it was made of. And it all is, is wonderful. And then I hear, listen to the music. You know that there is music? Of course, there is music in this film. Because Kubrick uses music in his films. It's like one of the actors. It's like one of the main characters in, like, like, uh, not like in this eyes wide shut. I studied the music. I studied studied the music it's not normal for me but it was so in it so the walls in the beginning and then you remember that in the part where this comes this masked fest feast the house where mm -hmm. he goes into the ritual thing there and there's this ligati you know that it was music by ligati this uh, this you know and this yeah yeah it's actual music. It's not done by Stanley Kubrick. And I always, when I look at the <laughs> film, I thought it's done by somehow by him. No, it was done <laughs> yeah. long before. Uh -huh. yeah. Wow. And it's yeah. it's one of the musics which I never want to hear in my life. No, it's so, so, uh, what, what do you call that? When it makes you feel like you are in a horrible place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then gling gling. Oh, it's yeah. yeah. And then the walls when they have it in the beginning, that was ma. It's something beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The music the eyes went song is amazing. Yeah. yeah. How does yeah, yeah. he do that? And then he went and died. Wow. You know, it's the music after in this film, he went and died. The music in uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin was done by Johnny Greenwood. And you know to whom with Johnny Greenwood does mostly work with? No. With Thomas uh, B. Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, I mean Thomas, Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson, what I'm saying. No, he did it, it with, uh, the, yeah, yeah, There Will Be Blood yeah. and Inherent Vice. And he's going to, and he makes music for the new You Were Never Really Here. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. oh. And the master, and the new, the latest from Paul Thomas Anderson, The Phantom Threat, that I'm really excited about. The uh -oh. Supposedly last movie from Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh. That's a really something good to hear. But and Johnny Greenwood stuff is also really interesting. If you go into Paul Thomas Anderson movies, I think you can find a lot of really uh, different levels of uh, work there. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. But what it's so fascinating when those directors and they go and they find a book and then they find the music and then they find uh, you know, the actors and then it all clicks together in a fun time. Yeah, yeah I saw this I saw this just recently. I, I watched an interview with uh, Mikhail Haneke. I don't know if you have to pronounce it Michael or Mikhail. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. How it's is the Australian pronounced? Not Michael Mikhail. because he's Austrian. 
yeah, so Mikael Haneke, it's, because yeah. um, I really got into his stuff now, like I really, uh, he, he makes brilliant movies and he, I was watching an interview with him and he was talking about that he, he agrees a lot with Hitchcock's idea is that the casting is, like Hitchcock said something like casting is like 90% of the film. Yes, oh, it like, is. <laughs> oh, so, so Mikael Haneke all said that the director's role is totally over uh, appreciated in a way. He puts himself very low in in what kind of role he puts into the film's finishing, you know, element. That that the casting is not that you have to find good actors. You know that you go around the world and can find the best actors. It's to find the best actor for the role. For the role. Yeah, which which goes into the Nicolas Cage stuff, you know, and that you we just have the best actor in the role. It's not about if the yes, actor is it's good. It's just opposite you know? what Hollywood used to do, in that they put yeah. always the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just opposite because you but, have to but, find yeah. the person who is inside the same as what you have. Yeah. In the yeah yeah exactly and, and that he he put a lot of appreciation in the works of the cameraman the lighting the sound design and you know like all this work all these people who do all this work for the film and that they all all make it you know happen and he he's a little part in, in the end in all of that well, crew well, in a way that's a yeah and and that's it was also interesting that he it it reflected a lot like how Hitchcock likes to to approach filmmaking that that he his kind of his his technique was that he made everything ready before the production you know before the shoot you know he he planned every scene like, oh. he had a storyboard he had everything there's no innovation in a way and then he just goes and shoots it you know and that's the smallest part in the end of the whole film you know it, it just shot the way he Let's and yeah, Han- yeah, yeah, but Haneke also approaches it in a way that uh, when he, the creative bit for him is the writing and the storyboarding and stuff, and, but then when he comes to the set, he has it in his head, you know, he has a idea of what he wants and stuff like this, and that's part of being a director and stuff, you know, that you, you have a goal, you know, you have I, a mission. You know. I have seen also an interview with Haneke, yeah. and there he was making this amour and uh, yeah and he was shouting like crazy there to <laughs> the wrong move in the wrong place and yeah he was so angry he said to get this man out of my sight <laughs> it's, it's not really no yeah, yeah but maybe that that, that oh. it doesn't yeah, I mean, but maybe that's a reflection of his authority over the set that he he wants to do it the way and he doesn't want to he doesn't appreciate you know, stupid people on the set or something. I don't know. Like they, they are a little bit uh, egomaniacs in a way, directors. But then, but then, but what I wanted to say is that the interesting thing is that then I was I was listening to an interview from Alexander Payne, mm-hmm. who, we, who we are very interested in seeing his movie, The Downsizing. Yeah. And especially about downsizing and stuff like this. And he he had a very he, I was very surprised how explosive he is. He he has a very like, I mean, uh, Haneke is kind of, you know, subtle and 
yeah. straightforward <laughs> and stuff. But then Alex Bay was kind of, you know, hey, well, like, mm-hmm. kind of uh, loose. And he, he has a very loose mouth, you know, he, yeah. he swears a lot and stuff like this. I, I didn't expect that from him. But yeah. he, he said that, uh, you know, like, uh, he appreciates a lot, like, for example, the input of the actors. That's why he likes Matt Damon a lot. Why does he like Matt Damon? <laughs> Because <Why>? Matt Damon. <laughs> Because, you know, I like Matt Damon. Who wouldn't like Matt Damon? He's, he's such a laughing guy. He's always nice and so on, except when he starts to kill people in suburb, sub, sub, suburbic, suburbicon. That's only when he's, he's going opposite and he's starting to kill people so the blood is running around, all the splashing. But, you know, why he, I don't, I suspect, you know, I hurt my heart when I saw the downsizing that Matt Damon is there. Yeah, but does he really fit there? So do, do you want to hear about it? Like why yeah. Bane likes him? So he likes it he, he, because Matt Damon is a very professional actor who who has an idea of how how the what is the actor's role, you know, how the presence to be in front of a camera. Like you said, you, it's, he's a very lovable guy. He has a charisma. Yeah. He knows how to act. Yeah. You know, he knows how to present the character and the scene and stuff like this. And Alexander Bale, he said that, you know, sometimes as a, you know, like the, the just because he's a director and the director's role is to have an authority, but he said that, well, is it like a famous idea that, like common idea among directors that the most horrible moment of the day is when you have to get up from the car in the in the, in the morning, you know, to come to the set because, you know, you have to face the whole world, you know, the whole production and stuff and it's like it's so much to take on you and stuff and Mm -hmm. Bane said that you know he doesn't always know the answers Mm -hmm. when he's on the the scene he doesn't know always like what uh, what should I do you know with this actor and stuff like this and many times and then he said that it was so wonderful that Matt Damon said well maybe I could you know like because Bane thinks okay I have to have you here and then take you there but there is this long time before that and I don't know what maybe you I don't know what there is it would be just boring if you're standing there and stuff and then Matt Damon's like maybe he said that maybe I could just you know read the newspaper here and then put this class here and you know he 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 starts to direct his character what he does in that space mm-hmm. you know he fills the space with mm-hmm. himself and then Bay was like wow thank like it's a wonderful contribution that the actor gives because they are the character and they know how the character can work and stuff so it's like a contribution you know it's a teamwork To He's experienced you know. guy, and he, I agree, he was marvelous in The Martian. And in many movies, also in Good Will Hunting, he was really good. Yeah, okay, that's when he was a child. He got an Oscar with Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, okay. But then I have seen him, no, after I saw him in the same role as Alain Delon in that Ripley, <laughs> I, I realized what the difference. You know, this, this is not. Yeah, but uh, not but nearing a good actor, no. But Ripley but, is a different. You know, if yeah, you. it's a different you, character. It depends. Yeah, where no, you yeah. Person. Yeah, because who who plays? Because uh, because uh, John Malkovich also played Ripley, and that is totally different again. You know. Mm. It's it's a uh, it. Everybody makes a different Ripley, so you cannot say oh because this Matt Damon is somehow a bad actor or something. But know. let let 
hear me. This okay. it, his character, this laughing, laughing nice guy is not. <laughs> so he should have understood it. No, but for me the the genius and the brilliance of of that Ripley, Matt Damon's Ripley, is because it's a face. It's a it's a. It's a facade, you know. It's it's a it's a mask. Is that love ability, mm. and that is for his his ability to manipulate, you know. Mm. But inside there is a darker things, and I think Matt Damon uh, works very well with that. He he knows really how to play that hidden darkner side. You know? Yeah, I saw him in Suburbicon. Yeah, but <laughs> and I don't know, like like in Interstellar and stuff like this. I don't know. If it really, I think he's in a wrong place, more in those movies. But you know, it's a, it's about where you put him. You know, where he is good. You know, and stuff. Okay. Not well, about if he's now, the best actor or ever. Now I would like to say my final piece. Like yeah, <laughs> we went in, very much off road. In this uh, Kevin, yeah. Yeah. We need to talk about Kevin. So yeah. I was thinking. You remember I talked about the mother. <laughs> And Jennifer Lawrence and Tilda Swinton and everything, but I haven't mentioned to you that uh, if I imagine that Isabel Hooper <laughs> be the mother in Kevin, so you can imagine there wouldn't be such pain scratchings, nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> is this partner. going to become like a, uh, it, this is like became like a like a regular thought experiment that what if Isabel Hooper would like Isabel Hooper fixes everything you know like yeah but she, <laughs> she doesn't break any branches or something she just does it and that's it <laughs> and, no but she plays as a her character she takes parts where she puts her character in no like Philip Zimmer Hoffman no, yeah. same, the, exactly. But she puts her character in it, and Tilda Swinton can't do this. If you have to think which person you put really into a, some part, and you no, know, yeah. I, I come here in this um, my favorite film from I think it was 2016. That this uh, Yeah. Uh, what comes after, or what, how is it in English? So I've learned so much things about, you know, after that film, from that film. Mm -hmm. And I even watched in in the Netflix this Una Bomber, the series. Because oh, there's a series called Una Bomber. Yes. It Manhunt Una Bomber, it's called. And I wow, watched cool. Yes, it's it's not as good as um, this mind. Hunter, Mind Hunter, yeah. Mm. It was not. It's not as good because that's Fincher is a genius, and this was something else. It was you could see a lot of mistakes, but very exciting, really exciting. And I really learned about what is Unapom because it's, it's his hunt, how and who he is, and so on. And only because I watched it, only because I saw Isabel Huppert in in Lavenir, because ah. he's a philosopher there in the philosophy mm -hmm. teacher and she knows all the philosophy books and one of the friends she has had in the shelf Una Bomber and she said what you have Una Bomber 
It's not okay. <laughs> I wanna go. <laughs> so I wanted to know exactly yeah. what's going on. And, no, I go. <laughs> not just a little uh. thing in the film. But anyway, now I know what she meant. Okay. You can't okay. know. <laughs> so many details. No, good directors and good films make so many good details. Mm-hmm. That it's it's a richness of you know it's a kind of a treasure. Mm-hmm. You come into into music and books and kind of everything. I, okay, so I do that. Anyway. Mm, yeah, yeah, you are really yeah. So that's why. So don't, don't, you can understand why I talk about this every hoop. <laughs> well, yeah, it all connects in the end, like so to each other. Like some somehow we we came to Siri Hutzfeld, which I never would have uh, guessed that we would. It would she would have some kind of relation with Kevin and stuff like this. Yeah, and Unabom. There is. So yeah, I really you know I learned a lot of things, and then uh, you go forward and forward and forward, and all this, and it's richness. And that's new. Exactly. That's movies. That's movies. And now we can finish. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think we talked more about other stuff than Kevin <laughs> itself. So that's good for uh, me, Adli. Yeah. So, so probably we have to say we probably we shouldn't talk about Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's oh, I think for this time. And how how many stars did you think to give it? I think let me see if I even gave it stars yet. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, I don't I don't <laughs> I think you're not going to like this. <laughs> I don't care. I gave it one star. <laughs> yes, that's that's your opinion. So yeah, I think you you, you already heard how much I praised this, this mm-hmm. film. In a technical sense, so mm. I I I feel like I have in my rating I I have not even acknowledged the story in itself or even thought about if that the story itself like gives me anything, but just based on the the filmmaking and the the the, the immense impressiveness that I got from uh, Lynn Ramsey's I was so so huge that I, I I gave it a nine out of ten. Oh yeah, but, ten. but you're the same as Rotten Tomatoes and all those critics this uh, or No Rotten Tomatoes is like seventy six percent. But this Egbert that and is... what are uh, all this they they give Roger Ebert? Uh yeah maybe he he likes this. But uh, I don't care about uh, or, yeah, I don't care either. Yeah. Okay, but it was a fun talk anyway. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks to the listeners. Uh, we will uh, meet you next time on our discussions. And uh, goodbye. Goodbye. So that's it for this time. Yeah, we kind of drifted off from the topic at the end of it, but um, kind of kept it together quite nicely. Anyway, if you want to know more about our podcast and get some extra material for the from the episodes, you can visit our website, mothersandmovies.com. If you like you, our podcast, you can share it with our, your friends. Also, if you want, it would be really nice and help our show if you can read it on iTunes. 
The music that you heard in the beginning and now in the background was done by Kevin MacLeod with uh, my additional remixing in the, our intro track. And be sure to join us next time when we will discuss a movie that, um, how would I put it, is a very heavy, dark comedy. So yeah, thanks a lot then.